You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church Northwest is located in Vancouver, Washington. We meet each Sunday with two services, one at 9 a.m. and one at 11 a.m. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We hope you enjoy. Want to know more about us? You can check us out online at www.axecamus.org. Okay, here's the sermon. We hope God blesses you through it. Good morning. Woo! Good to be at church today, right? I, uh, I sat across in a conversation with a very close brother, dear friend, this week and watched him almost die. And it was a difficult thing to go through. I don't know how many of you have had this happen, but we're sitting talking as we do almost every week, uh, enjoying one another's company and and talking about the Lord, and talking about the church, and talking about different things, and all of a sudden, he just went out, and I didn't know what had happened to him. I'm not going to tell you the whole story because yeah, it's personal, and it's, and it's his story to tell, but I will tell you that my friend, my brother, Dr. David, would probably have been with the Lord right now, if not for the fact that God works all things together for good, and desired for him to stay for our sakes. He's doing well now, and will be back with us soon, Lord willing. But here's the thing. Well, while Dr. David's life was on the line in those moments, and truly it was moments that were the difference between life and death, it was all kinds of, you know, concern for the right now and what do we need to do and get the ambulance here and call his son and John and get him over and do all those kinds of things and whatever, right? You're kind of in the midst of all of that, praying for him and so on. But the truth was behind all of that, what I know is that if indeed the Lord were to take Dr. David home, that he would be absent from the body but present with the Lord, and he would be okay with that. And while I would be very sad, and I would mourn, I would not be broken by that. In fact, I would be okay with the two. In fact, I would celebrate that my friend and brother, Dr. David, got to be face-to-face with Christ, because that's what I'm looking forward to myself, even though I might miss him greatly. And, and Dr. David's son, John, and I were having a conversation a couple days after all that, and just sort of talking about our uncommon view of the death of the body. How uncommon our view really is, which is that we do not see death as a tragedy. We may mourn it, we may miss those, but those of us who are in Christ are looking forward to something greater. And I know, in the case of Dr. David, That he is always ready. Not just ready, but excited for the day when Jesus brings him home. Listen to to Philippians 1, 21 through 26. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for all your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. This is uh, Dr. David's attitude that I know well, and I strive for it to be my attitude. 
I know men and women of Christ, brothers and sisters of mine, who live in this attitude. I'm ready to go, but if I'm here, I'll work. Joy in the work and the fruit of the labor for the kingdom here, or even more joy face-to-face with Christ. Either way, I'm good. Whether we continue in Christ here, or whether we go to see him face-to-face, and all these things, we can have joy. Now, it's a particular person that the Bible talks about that lives like this, with this kind of joy. So the death is not a foe, an enemy to be feared, but a conquered enemy who will not move us, who will not move us. Now, we've been studying the book of Psalms. We've gotten through a couple of verses, to be fair, in the book of Psalms. <clears throat> but we've been learning about the blessed person. And the blessed person, one of the things that we're going we're gonna to read more about the blessed person today, but one of the things is that steadiness that I came face to face with this week as I thought about how quickly you can go from everything's great to maybe dying. And I thought to myself, okay, if that's that, that's that. But I'm not going to fear it. I'm not going to fear it. And here's the thing, Christ followers. If you don't have to fear death, you don't have to fear anything. There's not a lot of things that you fear that are worse than death. Maybe spiders. If you don't have to fear death, you don't have to fear anything. You, as a Christ follower, don't have to fear anything. Anything. And that's part of what it means to be the blessed man, the blessed person. Now, what we read in the first two verses, I'm going to read them again for you. This is, uh, Psalm 1. If you have a Bible, you can put, pull it out. It'll also be on the screen. You can look on your phone, but I know what's going to happen if you do that. You're going to start checking your Instagram, so just look at it on the screen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now we've learned what the blessed man does and what he does not do. And now today, Lord willing, we're going to finish the first psalm by hearing what the godly man, the blessed man, what he's like. What is he like? And what is the ungodly man like? Now remember, if you've been here, I've, I've set this up to, to understand this first psalm is one of these places in Scripture where we're given very clearly, as we are in many places in Scripture, two paths. Two paths, right? There are only two paths. No more, no less. No matter what our culture tries to tell you, no matter what you hear from anybody out there, there are only two paths. You either follow God, the King, the Creator of the universe, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, who knows you, who loves you, who has a plan for you, who's sovereign, or you follow yourself and your own desires and believe in your own strength and some version of your own righteousness. Those are the two paths. One path is Jesus. The other path has all kinds of names. It can be called religion, all kinds of different religions that are just a way to build up your own righteousness. That's not really righteousness. It can be called atheism or agnosticism or being a Justin Bieber believer, right? There's a lot of paths out there. Even some people call it Christianity when it's not, when what they follow is not Christianity, there's a lot of folks out there who use the name of Christ for a path that is not biblical. Here's the thing. If you are not living with Jesus as Lord, Lord of your life, that means he's in charge. Because if he's not in charge, he's not Lord. When you say the word Lord, that's what it means. See, I think a lot of people... Use, keep using that word Lord, and it's one of those Princess Bride things. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Lord means in charge. If you're going to call Jesus Lord, a lot of people say Lord a lot in their prayers, and you're thinking, if he's Lord, we should be following him. If you're not living as Jesus Lord and believing he died and rose again and paid for your sins, okay, 
He took on himself on the cross your sins. And he rose again on the third day. That is fundamental. You must believe that God rose Jesus from the dead. That he is God and king. And that you have faith in him. And that by grace alone, not anything that you've done, in faith alone, you are saved. That's one path. Any other path is wrong. Period. Any other path is somebody trying to sell you something. That's all there is to it. The Bible does not allow for multiple interpretations. This is extremely important. You have to understand this because people will say, well, the Bible could mean this and the Bible could mean that. Let me just tell you something. There are some places where we have good, lively debates on what the Scripture means about certain things, okay? We call those secondary issues. There's some of that, sure. But let me tell you what the Bible could not be more clear about. Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father, no one comes to the Father but by him. That there are two paths that they're very clear. We see here in Psalm 1. We see it in this, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' Sermon in Matthew 5 through 7 that we spent some time studying, quite a bit of time studying in a series we called Right Side Up. If you haven't uh, studied that with us, you can go back online or wherever we have, uh, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube or whatever. We've got all those sermons there. And you can check all that out. Jesus talks very clearly about the two paths. We see it over and over in Scripture. Undoubtedly, very clearly, two paths. And here we see it in Psalm 1. The paths are clear. God leaves no confusion. And it's a good thing on this issue that he leaves no confusion because we want to make confusion here. We want to create confusion here because we want to believe that there's other ways to do things other than just God's way. Because we want to go our way. But there is no confusion that God leaves, here, leaves for us when, as he reveals this to us in Scripture with these two paths. Are. So let's read the first couple of verses of our study for today. Verse 3. He shall be like, this is the, the blessed man, the godly man. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. The blessed man, the godly man, is not like the ungodly man. We've already been told that. He doesn't walk in the way of the wicked and all that kind of stuff, right? He doesn't walk like the ungodly, doesn't stand in the path of the sinner, doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. That's not him. He delights in the law of the Lord. On it, he meditates day and night. It's all the time. It's in his mind. He's muttering under his breath. He wants to know Jesus. He wants to know the law of the Lord. That's what he looks like. And what is he like in doing that? A tree. There's a lot of times where we want to explain something. I find myself in this situation. I use words a lot. As in my career as an attorney or whatever, I have to use words. That's basically the tools that I have. And so I use words a lot, but there are some things that are just really hard to explain. And one of the things that's so cool about the Psalms, these songs that have been written emotionally and artistically, is that they show us a picture, a picture of what things are like. And in this case, it says, like a tree. And what is a tree like? Well, first they start very small. I don't know if you've ever planted a tree. You can either plant little saplings or you can plant a seed, because they really start as small as a seed. And they grow and they get bigger, and they get stronger, and they get taller, and they push their roots down into the soil, into that dirt around the rocks, and they get strong into the earth, and they grow, and they grow, and they grow. There's some big trees on the property here, and they're truly a wonder to look at, to just see God's creation, and look at trees, because they are crazy big and solid. There are trees that can withstand a hurricane, while the house next door is being blown away and there's cars flying through the air, there's trees that just stand in it because they're so rooted and grounded. So this is a good picture for us. We want to be like a tree. We want to grow in our faith until we are strong and solid and tall and can withstand the hurricane. That's who we want to be. We need to be rooted in Christ. Rooted in Christ. Tied to him. Anchored to him. He says he's the vine and we are the branches. If we abide in him and he in us, we're going to bear much fruit. That's what he tells us. 
Again, the same kind of analogy. Now listen, uh, Colossians 2, 6 through 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, you've received him. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. These are pictures of Christ, and they're all over the Scripture. God uses the things that he has made and created to show us what it's like to be his follower, to live a life in him, and they're amazing examples. It starts with the word, like a seed implanted, and then it grows. You see this in a number of different places. You see it in the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about a sower, sowing seeds. Some of it lands on background, some of it good, some of it sprouts up, some of it, and so on. You see the idea, right? And then you see in 1 Corinthians 3, in the letter of the church at Corinth, it talks about, hey, one's planting, one's watering, but God's giving the increase. This idea that this is what our life looks like in Christ, Right? This is what it's like to come into the kingdom. This is what it's like to be the godly man, the godly woman. We're always seeking to become stronger and taller and more solid in him. And those who don't, who won't, Jesus talks about those also. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, I in you. You'll bear much fruit. The branch that doesn't bear fruit, what happens? The father prunes it, tosses it in the fire. You're either rooted in Christ and growing, or you're not, and you're withering and dying. Remember, it said, whose leaf does not wither because of where he's rooted. The branches that do grow, we're told, glorify the Father. Now, we're to bear out our fruit in season. If we're growing and abiding in Christ, what we're told here is we will bear fruit. Doesn't mean you're going to have bananas and apples hanging off of your side of your head. This is, a, this is a poem. This is a song, okay? But you're going to bear fruit. That means you're going to see new attitudes and new actions as you're being transformed as God is giving you himself. You have new thoughts and you'll do new kinds of things as you become a new creature. Listen to what Jesus says about good fruit and bad fruit. This is Matthew 7, 15 through 20, another part of the, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. What does Jesus tell us? There are good trees, and there are thorn bushes and thistles. They both bear a kind of fruit, a type of fruit. One is rooted in Christ and produces the fruit of the Spirit. One is rooted in death and spiritual death and produces the works of the flesh. Two paths. Only two. You can only be rooted in one of those two places. Listen to the Lord's words in Jeremiah because this is a really similar passage to this first psalm. It's Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. It says, thus says the Lord. This is what the Lord says, okay? Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the lord for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes but shall inhabit in the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited that's what that plant looks like the one who roots themselves in man trusts in man makes flesh his strength parched wilderness Salt land, not inhabited. Now, verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Trusts in the Lord. What are those roots tied to? Trust in the Lord. And whose hope is in the Lord. We hope in our resurrection and eternal life in the Lord. You're blessed when you do that. For he shall be like a tree planted by the water. Sound familiar? 
which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. This is so powerful. When you look at the world, and I'm sure that you all have, you see that people are fighting and barking and beating each other up. People are literally beating each other up, breaking each other's legs, spraying mace at each other over whether or not or this or that, whether you wear a mask or think this or think that in stores. Both sides, I've seen it from both sides. People are crazy. They're going crazy. They're saying all kinds of hateful things to each other. They will not get along. They're angry and anxious and depressed and alone. I posted a bunch of posts on Facebook this week. And for those of you who know me, you know that I don't post a lot of posts on Facebook. Very rarely do I post like a personal post. Usually I'm just sharing stuff in the church. In fact, I was not a Facebook person. I became a Facebook person when I came here and started pastoring the church so that I could connect with you all. Prior to that, I wasn't a Facebook person because I'm not a girl. <clears throat> Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. I was thinking that in my... I'm kidding. Guys, it's fine to be on Facebook. I, what can I say? I'm on Facebook, okay? So it doesn't really matter. All right. But I don't usually post much there, okay? But I have become so disheartened so disheartened as I watch and I look at the words and the articles and the memes that people are posting. I don't know if I actually did shed a tear, but I wanted to weep as the weeks and weeks have gone on on each other, really months and years, but it's really gotten worse and worse. Where people are just in incredible fear, and that fear comes out in anger, and that fear comes out in, in, in fighting and contentions. So I posted a number of questions that were just fun or biblical or anything that was what I would call Philippians 4.8-ish. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. It's really hard for me to see so many people I know suffering in fear. Believers, unbelievers, suffering in fear. And why? Because we've lost our way. Me, some of you, a lot of the world. We've lost our way and we've come to trust in man and make flesh our strength. God says that those who do that are cursed and I've known the curse of that. And yet, I see it in our culture and in our world. If we do not get the law passed, the politician we want, new, the right mayor, the right governor, the right representative, the right president of some other country, the right president of the United States, the right whatever, we lose our minds. We fight and scratch and bite one another online and in person. People cut each other off. Unfriend you and unfriend you and you're unfriended and I'm not talking to you and I can't go to dinner with my family anymore and I can't talk to my sister and I can't. I mean, I just see it over and over. These people are just outrightly saying, I won't talk to anybody who doesn't think this. I won't talk to anybody who doesn't think that because they're fearful because they've come to trust in man and the strength of the flesh so that if they're not getting what they want, from their leaders or whoever it is they're looking to, oh, you're not going to give me the right economy or you're not going to give me the right law for this, you're not going to give me the whatever, they lose it. They can't handle it. They're not trusting the Lord. They're trusting some person to make it right for them. Let me tell you something. There is not a person that will sit in some presidential palace in some other country, in some mayor's house, in some city here, in the White House, there are not people in black robes that will sit on the Supreme Court that will ever do anything that God does not allow them to do. God is sovereign. He is sovereign. And he tells us and promises us that he will work all things together for good for those who love him, for those who are the called according to his purpose. You do not have to fear. You do not have to be afraid. You do not have to fight. You do not have to bite. 
because God has got us. And yet our society is doing this. But the Lord is sovereign over everything. And nothing will happen to you that God does not allow. All things will work together. I promise it always has been. And it always will be that the people of God will prosper. In the way that the people of God want to prosper, which is in the kingdom. Now, I am fine with a good argument. In fact, I quite enjoy a good argument, as many of you know. I have no problem with advocating for the things that we think are right. Don't hear me to be saying that you shouldn't do that. You should. Whether Facebook is a great place to do that or not, I'm not going to get into that argument with you, but it's not. <clears throat> it hasn't been in my experience. There are places, though, to advocate. There are places, though, to say, of course, you should vote biblically. Of course you should. I'm, you're a citizen, okay? Of course you should care about what's right. Of course you should speak up for what's right. But you don't need to be afraid. It should not be causing anger out of fear. Now, I'm angry about things that happen in this world, okay? From, from 2,000 years ago when Christ was there, trust me, he was angry too. You think it's bad here? Christ was walking around at a time when if your baby wasn't the right sex that you wanted it to be or had the slightest imperfection, they just throw it out on the trash heap and let it die. I would, that was what would happen to me. I had a club foot. It was like this when I was born. It would have, I know my mom would have done it too. No, I'm kidding. She's, she's back here. But if she was Roman, she might have. In fact, she wouldn't have had any choice because women didn't have much choice back then. There was a lot of evil that was going on, and, we, and Christians have always spoken against it and always been countercultural against it, and we should continue to do that. But we should not look like them. We should not look like those who have no roots, no trust in God, who only trust in man and the strength of man. They're afraid. We simply speak the truth, advocate for the truth, and trust in God and know that he's sovereign. And we can spend a lot of time focusing on the great things about God, too. And not just the tough things that are happening, because 2020, right? We cannot trust in man. We cannot trust in the strength of the arms of people. We only trust in the Lord. How many times did God defeat armies and nations for his people just because they trusted him? And when they didn't, they got defeated. It was that simple. That's us too. We trust him to fight the battle. That's who we are. I will not fear. I will not fear. You ought not fear, Christ follower. God says we're cursed when we trust in man. According to the scriptures, when we trust in man and make flesh our strength, instead of making God our strength, it says our hearts depart from the Lord. Now, I don't know any, any of you that I know well who are Christ followers, the last thing that you would ever want to have happen is that your heart would be departing from the Lord. We don't want that. We want our heart tied in, rooted in to the Lord. But when we trust in man and strength, oftentimes, by the way, it's not some politician or some leader or our boss or whoever. It's our own flesh that we trust in and our own strength that we trust in. That's where we fall more than anywhere else. When we do that, our hearts depart from the Lord. When our hearts are from the Lord, we're not strong, healthy trees bearing the fruit of the Spirit of God. We're shrubs in a parched, salt, desert wilderness. Trust in the Lord if you want to be a Psalm 1 tree, period. Meditate on his law day and night. Or what you can expect to grow if you're going to root yourself in your own flesh or in, in people or in whatever you can expect to go are the works of the flesh. That's what will grow there. That's the bad fruit that you'll get. If you want the fruit of the Spirit, you have to abide in the Lord. And here it is. I'm going to tell you what the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit are. This is according to my God and King who has inspired Scripture and told us this. This is not me telling you this. This is what he says. So let's listen closely and see if we see ourselves in here. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. Two paths. Two paths. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And remember, these are things that start in our heart as we learn from Jesus Christ. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, shalom, wholeness, right? Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So basically Facebook, right? (laughs) Not. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We must produce good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's where I want to see myself in this passage. And I don't always see myself there. Sometimes I see myself on that other side. And I know why I see myself on the other side sometimes. Because I'm rooting myself in the flesh, trusting in man, trusting in my own flesh, and not trusting the Lord. But we don't have to be that way. We can live in the fruit of the Spirit. We can have the fruit of the Spirit. Because we can be like a tree planted by the water courses, streams of water. All this water everywhere, and our, our, our roots are in it, so they're always being nourished. That's who we can be. That's who we are in Jesus Christ because we have the Holy Spirit. He's working in us, fountains of living water, empowering us, teaching us, drawing us closer to God, sealing us in Christ, in God for eternity. Listen to this. This is Jesus talking in John 7, 37 through 39. It says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Guess what? Jesus has been glorified, and the Spirit has been given, and if you're a Christ follower, you have the Spirit, fountains of living water. Fountains of living water. The Holy Spirit has been given to the Christ follower ever since Pentecost, 2,000 years ago. And the church went out. We have him. Our spirit that has been reborn and made alive that was dead, that God has made alive, now has the Holy Spirit. And we don't have to live in the walk in the works of the flesh. We can have the fruit of the Spirit as Christ has saved us. We do not ever have to walk in darkness or in the works of the flesh again. You are not a slave to sin. We can have victory. We can be that tree planted by the streams of water, strong and tall and solid and fruitful. That's who we want to be. Why would we ever want to do the works of the flesh? Why would we ever want to do that? Well, I'll tell you why, at least for me and I think for a lot of you. Because we don't always want to trust God. We sin because we do not walk in the belief that we have. We do believe that God is in control. And we do believe that he will provide good for us even if we can't see it. We believe those things. We just don't always walk in those beliefs. We have this cognitive dissonance where we really do believe, yes, God is good. Yes, God is sovereign. He's in control. Yes, I know he'll work all things for good whether I can see it now or not. I know he's going to work it all for good. But... I have some ideas of my own as well that I'd like to try out. One of my children, I'm not going to say which one, really liked airsoft guns when he was little. (laughs) I have a boy and a girl, for those of you who don't know, so that's why they're laughing. I don't know how many of you know what airsoft guns are, but 
They're basically BB guns that shoot plastic BBs instead of metal BBs. And using the word air soft is probably one of the most shameful bits of false advertising I've ever heard used. Probably some lawyer came up with it, okay? Hey, if we call it airsoft, when they get shot with it, it feels exactly like getting shot with a metal BB. Maybe they'll think that it doesn't hurt as much. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. But I can tell you, I've been shot with a regular BB gun, and I've been shot with an airsoft gun. Yeah, same thing. (laughs) Same thing. Basically the same experience. In both cases, you're going to say, that didn't hurt that bad. But inside, you're going to be screaming. And before long, that telltale tear will start to come down the side. And everyone will know it's not okay. It really did hurt you. They really hurt. Anyway, one of my kids loved these guns and wanted to buy some airsoft guns so he could severely harm his friends with them, with these BBs. It seemed like a good idea to me because some of his friends, frankly, were turds. You know, I'm kidding. Kidding. His friends were really nice. Little sinners, but they were nice. Nice kids. So Ethan, I mean, one of my kids went online and found this package of like five different airsoft guns, and it was like $35. Now, I immediately recognized the problem with this transaction. The problem was this. Uh, a good airsoft gun, one that's capable of kind of doing things and lasting and not breaking and embedding that plastic BB deep in the hindquarters of any human, one of those costs about 50 bucks for one. And so when my child came to me and said, I found five of these guns for $35, I knew instantly that there's no such thing as free lunch, as my grandfather often told me, and that you were not going to get five good airsoft guns for $35. They're going to, so I said, hey, listen, I know you're excited. I know this is a new toy for you, but you are better off buying one good airsoft gun than five cheap ones that are going to break. And once they break, you will not be able to cause that stinging, searing, throbbing pain in your closest friends. Believe it or not, and I know it's hard to believe, this particular one of my children did not believe me. He was like, I mean, the airsoft guns look nice on the picture on Amazon.com. You know how it is. You see it. You, you all were children at one time, most of you. And you know what it's like to want something. So he bought the guns and got them home, started to play with them, and they all broke relatively quickly. Not before he was able to shoot me several times, but they did break. I wonder how that happened. Uh, no, they, I, didn't, I didn't break his guns. I don't think I did. We're like Ethan. I mean, one of my children. We're like that. God has given us his Holy Spirit who teaches us the word. We know what God has told us to do, but we often, although we know what is best and what God has called us to do, we kind of think maybe we know best. So we chase our own idea of what we think will be good or pleasurable, and we forsake God's instruction. That's just what we do. We know what we ought to do. We sort of think that there's a third way. Well, we don't want to be on the bad path, but maybe there's this third path, right? Maybe, here's the thing. If I just steal a little bit, and I'll probably pay it back at some point, it's okay. That person didn't need it anyway, right? Listen, I'm just texting with him. I haven't done anything. It's just that my husband hasn't been that great lately, and it, and it just emotionally kind of helps me out. Hey, we're going to get married anyway. Who cares if we have sex now? And on and on it goes. Hey, it was just a few more than I should have drank. It was just this. It was just that. It's always, we know what God's told us. He's been very clear. We know that's what's going to be good for us, but we have a better idea. And so we buy our toys our way when God has told us to do it his way. And what invariably happens every time is we end up with broken toys and have to go back and do things the way God has called us to do. Listen to what God tells us in Jeremiah. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This is us when we won't be rooted in Christ. 
We have the fountain of living water, which is boom, flowing in our heart in the Holy Spirit. We go, but you know what? I can make my own cistern and get my own water on this one. And we end up with broken cisterns that hold no water. Wondering why in the world we weren't just drinking from the fountains of living water that were there. When we follow what God has for us, we are nourished in the Spirit of God and we produce fruit, and whatever we do prospers. That's what it says. It says, and whatever he does shall prosper. When we follow Jesus, when we follow Christ, when we live in the Spirit, we allow the Father to chasten us, to work on us. We listen. He prunes us. He, he gets us ready. He, we're taught by the Spirit. We're in Christ. When we're doing all of that, whatever we do prospers. We will get to see great things and be part of great things. Because it will be in his will, because we're living in the spirit, and we're producing fruit, and we're rooted in him. Now listen, that does not mean that we will get the kinds of good, prospering things that the world considers prospering. I'm not saying you're going to get lots of, you know, uh, toys, and luxuries, and pleasures, and that you're never going to get sick, and all that nonsense. I'm not saying that. Paul certainly didn't have all of that. Not at all. He was sick, got beaten a lot, spent some real time in jail. A lot of running from city to city, people chasing him around, getting stoned. You know what kind I mean, with the rocks. (laughs) But he prospered in what he did. Because what he did was in Christ, it was in the will of the Father, and it was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we, we rarely go a week in this church, and in most churches, where some of what the Holy Spirit breathed into Paul and inspired Paul to write is not read by Christians where they're encouraged and empowered 2,000 years later. What he did prospered. It may not be the kind of prospering the world might look at Paul and be like, okay, so you know, you're sick, you're, you're shipwrecked, you're beaten, you're stoned, you're uh, you know, in jail, you're blah, 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 and then, you, and then you're executed. Doesn't sound like prospering. We look at Paul and go, Without what he did and what the Lord did through him, we wouldn't have nearly what we have because he was faithful. That's the kind of prospering that I want. I prefer not to have the beatings and all that. But if that's what comes in order for me to be able to prosper, kingdom of God prosper, tree planted by streams of water prosper, then bring it on. Because we want to prosper. If you love Jesus, you want to prosper. We've had enough of the other kind of prospering if you live in this country. Let me just tell you. We've had enough of the other kind. I hope, we can, I hope we can continue to be comfortable. I think it's great to be comfortable. Trust me, I like to be comfortable. But what I really want is to prosper, godly prospering. And if that's our desire, we'll get it. We'll get it. But let me tell you something. While we want our lives to prosper like that, that's not what it's like for the ungodly. It says very clearly that the ungodly man is not described as a tree here. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. If you've ever worked on a farm that had like cereal grains, like wheat or oats or whatever, there's like a husk around the seed, like a little shell, okay? And what they do in the old days, they take it and they, you know, do this with it. They beat it. And up would come the, the, that little husk, little light shell, and it would blow away. The wind would drive it away. And what would be left was the seed. Now they have machines that do all that. But they thresh that grain to get rid of that chaff because the chaff is worthless. And it just goes up and it's, it, there's nothing to it and it's driven by the wind. That's what the ungodly are like. Driven by the wind. And there is always a wind blowing in our world. In our broken, fallen, evil world. There's always a wind blowing. There's a lot of winds blowing. And it may seem like, well, I'm not blown by the wind because those people are going this way and I'm going this way. Yeah, it's going all kinds of ways. And you're being driven by it. You may think you've chosen that flight, but you didn't buy that plane ticket. You are being driven, if you are not a tree planted by rivers of water, two paths, tree or chaff. You're being driven by the lies and the deceptions of the world in all kinds of different directions. You are not steady. You are not strong. You're chaff. This is just like the path thing. Two paths. Tree, chaff. Every single person in this room, including myself, every person watching online, every person that will listen to this on podcast or online or whatever, 
is one of two things. You're a Psalm 1 tree or you're Psalm 1 chaff. That is a life that you're living. It's one or the other. You're either growing and becoming strong and solid in God, or you are being driven by the winds of the culture towards death. And there's nothing you can do to stop it other than rooting yourself in Christ. The tree doesn't move in the hurricane. It stands strong. The chaff is driven by the smallest wind and blows away. All of us are either the Psalm 1 tree or the Psalm 1 chaff. And what happens to the chaff? Let's read the last part of this chapter. Finish it out here. Psalm 1, 5 through 6. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. This is it. It's the end of Psalm 1. It's a blessing and a warning, depending on whether you are a tree or a chaff. If you're chaff, the ungodly, the one who's not a Christ follower, the person who thinks that they have strength in their own flesh, that they can do it on their own, who trusts in man, they perish. They can't stand in the judgment. They're not among the assembly, the congregation of the righteous. They're going to die the first death, and then they're going to die the second death. While we Christ followers are raised to life in Christ for eternity, they will be raised to judgment and death for eternity. It's serious. Death and hell are serious because they refused the free gift of grace in love that God is offering to every one of us. If you're not a Christ follower, you can close your heart off to what I'm saying and hope that it isn't true, but it is true. And I tell you it because I love you, and God tells you because he loves you. Two paths. One leads to life, one leads to death. God tells us over and over and over in the Scripture. And if you've never heard it before, this is the first time you're hearing this, now you know. You've heard it today. Now you're responsible. But here's the good news. You ready for it? You know who's able to stand in the judgment in the congregation of the righteous? Only one. Jesus. I know we all thought that this psalm was all about us and how great we are. But you know the only one who truly can stand in the judgment in the congregation of the righteous? Jesus Christ. He's the only one. Our ability to stand is not a place that we've earned The reason we're in the congregation of the righteous is because we have his righteousness. And for no other reason, we were all chaff made into trees through Jesus Christ and his righteousness. We are not righteous in ourselves. Listen to these verses. Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Just in case you were unclear. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. So we've all sinned, and the right, what we deserve, the wages we deserve, death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10, 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Why salvation? Because we needed to be saved. Because we were chaff. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That seed is blossomed. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You will be transformed if you will root yourself in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. There's no one righteous, not one. We've become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That's why we get to stand in the judgment and hold our head up. That's why we get to be in the congregation of the righteous because God is not looking. The Father is not looking at you and your life and what you earned. He's looking at his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us. And that's who we get to be 
And if that's not you right now, that can be you today. It is only Jesus, only him, only him. You haven't earned it, you can't earn it. We're always making broken cisterns. Our toys are always breaking. We root ourselves. We keep rooting ourselves back. We repent. We confess our sins. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9, right? That's what it's all about. You can go from death to life, from chaff to tree. You can be made new. You can confess your sins and turn from them, and God will be faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you don't know Jesus today, you can begin life in him. If you do know Jesus and you're a Christ follower and we're reading the works of the flesh and you're like, mm, there's a, some of that's me, and you need to confess and you need to repent, do that today. Right now, get your roots back where they belong. Trust in God. Grow in him. All of us. We want to be trees. I want people to look at this church and metaphorically see a grove of trees that cannot be moved. Every hurricane that comes does nothing to us. Fruit all over the place. But if you don't know Jesus, you can begin life in him today. You can come home like the prodigal son and trust in your good Father God. And I plead with you today, listen to me. By the mercies of God, I plead with you, if you don't know Jesus, be reconciled to God. You do not know how much time you have. Your opportunity is now. I watched my dear friend almost die this week in an instant. No one knew what was coming. We don't know how long it's going to be before the Lord takes this church. Be reconciled to God today. Give up the works of the flesh and live in the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus will save you. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. He'll make you new. Just call him Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, that he is your God and your King and your Lord, and you'll be saved. And that seed of the word that's implanted in you will grow and be watered. That's what it will do as the church, planting and watering and watching each other grow. You can be that today. We can live in the fruit of the Spirit. We can be a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and whatever we do prospers. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope God spoke to you through it. We would like to invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. for our Sunday service. If you enjoyed this sermon, have questions for us, or simply want to connect with Axe Church more, find us on Facebook under Axe Church Northwest. Send us an email or message, or leave us a rating or recommendation. We appreciate all of you and hope to hear from you.